You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Hi, Susan. <laughs> hey, Tom. How are you? <laughs> Good. Good. Uh, I guess we should be saying happy 2023. Yes. Although it's probably going to suck, but... <laughs> you never know, right? Well. <laughs> we had high hopes for last year. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not even... I have zero expectations, given I'll be in chemotherapy every three weeks <laughs> till the end of 23. Oh, then it's going to be fantastic. I can tell I, already. I, you know, and here's the thing. I'll have chemo brain. I won't remember anything. You're the one who's going to have to uh, put up with it. We're in trouble. Oh, well, no, and you don't get to claim mad cow like you keep telling us you're going to. Doesn't work that way. Somebody's got to be halfway sane on this podcast, especially when Joel's not here. Well, you know. The the childish adult supervision here. (laughs) Lord, help us all. Anyway, this is Susan Simmons, the other podcast co-host whatever i am this week and again next week you may have to tell me my name i might i know and that might get really interesting (laughs) between my dementia and chemo brain this could y'all need to stay tuned because this could be quite an adventure so what have you been up to during the holidays nothing it was low-key for me me too it was good it was good yes just the way I like it. it. It was a little too quiet at my house. I've decided I'm not doing another holiday without a dog. Mm. Yeah. I could have brought two over for you. Yeah. No, I should have gotten Draco, <laughs> Heidi's boyfriend, to come. But, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. That's, that was not fun. we got to work on getting a, a German Shepherd. Not to replace her, but I need something else in alive in the house. You need something to keep you company. Running around on four legs. Yes. Well, we have a interesting guest with us today. I think you just met him for the first time. For some I reason, did. I had thought y'all might have worked together, but we have a retired officer from Chandler, Arizona Police Department. I guess it's okay to say that since you're retired. What are they going to do to you? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Peterson, whom I met. Gosh, I don't know, Ken. When did we meet? And weren't you a Chris Farrar? person that wound up in my office because of Chris? Uh, not because of Chris. He wasn't one who recommended you come see me? No. Oh, so I, he didn't I, cause I, you emotional <coughs> trauma? And no, make no, you? no. <laughs> I actually worked with Careful. Chris for a long period of time. I thought he was the one who encouraged you to come see me, though. I think uh, it was another individual at Chandler, uh-huh. um, Nate uh, Duncan. Yes. Oh, so, that's right. It yeah. was. So that's he kinda exactly right. Yes. Referred you guys. Um, I think I met you in, let's see, 2018, maybe. Because uh, you retired. Well, I probably like met you a couple times, but really didn't get to know you. Sat until, on my couch. Right, right, right. Yeah. But sat on the couch probably in 2018 was my first time. Okay. All right. Because mm-hmm. you medically retired in 2019. All right. The end of 19. And it's an interesting story. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So why don't you tell us your background, because you've got military, Correct. too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all going to be high-fiving each other over your little Air Force stuff or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> y'all do. <laughs> so give us your background. Um, I'm originally from Alaska. I grew up in Alaska. What in part? Fairbanks. 
That's where I need to go to see the Northern Lights. That is correct. Yes. Yes. Yep. But it's going to be cold if you go. Yeah. If you want to see the Northern Lights. If you're ready for the cold. Hey. Okay. Huh? okay. So grew up there. Um, my dad was in the Army. That's what brought us up there. So he retired after 20 years, and my family stayed there. My whole family is still there. Um, I moved in 2001, May of 01. I joined the Air Force, and that's what took me out of Alaska. And you went where? Um, stationed at Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico. Were you ever there, Tom? No. How come? Um, just never went there. <laughs> <laughs> Air Force said, you don't need to go there. Yeah. Ken's there. <laughs> <laughs> He's got you covered. It was a big, big, uh, as you could tell, it's probably a big culture shock for me coming from little town of 30,000 um, did my basic in San Antonio, Texas, yeah. in the middle of summer, which was awesome. And then... Uh, Is that sarcasm I'm hearing? Yes, that's voice? sarcasm. <laughs> you ever been to San Antonio in the summertime? <laughs> oh, man, it's hot. I live in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. That is true. But when you're not used to it. And then, uh, yeah, it took me to New Mexico, which... Big culture shock. One mm-hmm. of the best stories I have is I went to this place called Owl Cafe. If you ever been to Albuquerque, and uh, they have chili cheese fries okay. on the menu. So where I'm from, chili cheese fries is to me chili like beans, hamburger, <laughs> like tomato sauce, cheese. It came out with some green chili and some cheese, and I was like, I think you got it wrong. I don't know what's on my plate, and that was my introduction <laughs> to green chili. But I love it now. So, <laughs> well, see, but where you're from and where I'm from, yeah. chili means the same thing, right? Yeah, it means it's the same stuff thing. you put on a hot dog or eat in a bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And yes. it should be that poured over fries. It's a little yes. different here in the Southwest. It is a little bit different. <laughs> I love it, though. I've come to really enjoy it. But New Mexico is where I was. Um, met my wife there. She was going to UNM at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, dated for three years. Got engaged. Got married right before I got out. And what did you do in the Air Force? I was Security Forces. Did six years. Mm-hmm. Um Kirtland is a is the largest, I guess, weapon base for storage of weapons for conventional or whatever. Right. And uh, did a lot of convoy operations for them, a lot of presidential security, um, trained for Iraq operations. Did a, went over to Abu Ghraib, took over the prison over there from oh, the army. One of the more pleasant garden spots. <laughs> yeah. So um, got to do that for six years. And then uh, right when I was ready to leave... I knew I wasn't going to re-enlist, and my wife already had family here. She had her mom and her dad, or stepmom and dad, and two stepbrothers were here. So I came and visited Arizona, and I said, oh, palm trees and swimming pools? I'm in. So (laughs) I tested for the police department. I tested for Chandler in Phoenix. Um, Came back. I got hired by both at the same time, and I had to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was an officer who actually ended up being my field training officer and still a good friend of mine, uh, Teddy Prendergast. Yeah. I got Who's to do it right there. along with him, correct? Yeah. And uh, he talked me into coming to Chandler, and the rest is history. And you haven't <laughs> spoken to him since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, my Ended story. Ended that it's, friendship. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah. Ended yeah. that friendship. <laughs> I don't know. I think about the military stuff, and I'm like, man, if I would have stuck around, I would have been retired from there by now. Mm-hmm. Collect that pension, but. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Had a good time, missed the camaraderie, missed all the good times, all sure. the fun stories. Sure. Yeah, it was good. So you start out at Chandler, obviously patrol. Correct. And then you had a interesting incident. <clears throat> Tom yeah, doesn't so. even know your story. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So I did patrol, um, 
for probably seven years, eight years, somewhere in there. In the middle of it, um, I've always worked swing shift. I worked one day shift swing, one day shift year. Um, but on that, it was all swing shift. Got a call. Um, this lady, I think it was an aunt of a child or something like that. He was like 17, was carrying around his stuff, wouldn't get back in the car. It was some weird story, what I can remember of it. And when I showed up, he was carrying all this stuff like in a uh, big trash bag. And I was like, hey, man, let me talk to you for a minute. And they didn't acknowledge me, just kept looking straight, didn't look at me, which should have been my first sign. I look back at how things should have happened, and we could talk about that. But <laughs> <laughs> you're always like, man, I say it's 2020. What was I thinking? <laughs> right? So I go and, like, put my hand on it. So like, hey, man, let me talk to you. And he drops his stuff and starts swinging on me. We're in a fight, middle of the street. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he's about, I don't know, 5'10", 6 foot, good-sized kid. And the adult pulls out the cell phone and starts recording us on the street. We're in the middle of the street just fighting. Like, it's just me and him. Like, there's no other officers with me. And this other person is not connected to him or is uh, it, I think he's a, she's a family member of some sort. So she doesn't try to help. She doesn't try to help. She just starts recording it, whatever. So, she wants to see what the police are going right. to do. You got to so, love people yeah. like that. So he know? disengages. And um, I pull out my taser. I tell him to get on the ground. And he does like this half squat. Like if you can imagine like standing, just kind of like squatting down, but doesn't get on the ground. And I don't think anything of it. Well, he pops back up and I try to tase him. Taser misses. He takes off. We're in a foot pursuit. And, uh, you know, because now we have aggravated assault on a police officer. And it's around this business. And no backup there with you No at backup this point. coming. Not even coming. No, because I wasn't able to get on my radio at that time. Okay. So everything kind of happened so fast. Sure. How it happened. So there's a little retaining wall. And when the foot pursuit kicks out, that's when I can able to get on the radio to say we're in a foot pursuit. So um, around a wall, it's dark outside, it's middle of the night or whatever. Um, I don't know if he jumps over this wall or goes around it. I can't remember. But I decided to jump over the wall. And on the other side, the four-foot drop. When I drop... Um, my leg breaks is what ended up happening. I didn't know it was broken at the time. I thought maybe I pulled a muscle or tore an ACL or whatever. I tried to get up, pull myself up with the tree, couldn't get up. He ran around a business. I just sat there and waited and prayed he didn't come back because sure. I didn't want to have to, you know, you, you think about what's the worst that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't want to have to deal with that, right? I mean, is he going to have a weapon? Yeah, what's he or gonna if he's going to come back and try friends? to finish, who right. knows, right? Sure. So he takes off. He doesn't come back. I'm able to get on the radio and say I'm hurt. And uh, they set up a perimeter, and um, the air unit from Mesa comes over and says they see him. So the canine comes out. They mm-hmm. tell him to come out. He says basically, F you to the cops. I'm not coming out. And they say, come out now. We're going to send the dog. <laughs> F you. So they send the dog. So, so the guy gets the it. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> was it one of, of Chandler's yes, dogs? Yes, it was one of Chandler's oh, it dogs. Was. Yes, nice. it was. I believe it was Emery's dog. Was it, was it Ron's yeah. dog? <laughs> of course. I'm so glad it was Ron's dog. <laughs> yep. So I don't know which one he had at that time, but Ron's yeah, had Yeah, I don't know. So that happened in 2011. Mm-hmm. The end of 2011, like November. So what part of your leg did you actually break? Uh, it ended up being the tibial plateau, so uh-huh. the bone right underneath the knee. It cracked all the way down. Oh, man. So I ended up putting a plate, seven screws, and a pin in my leg. Yeah. And I was out all of 2012. I had to learn how to rewalk. I had to learn everything. Wow. Total rehab. Like, 
if you saw someone like trying to actually like you know those like you see them on movies like they're holding on to something on the sides right. yes. and they're actually trying to walk so while people are holding them on a belt that was me like I couldn't walk wow. I was in a full legged cast for god months wow yeah <laughs> it was horrible it was horrible <laughs> But and they, you're thinking, boy, but, was I stupid. <laughs> I should have looked over that wall first. But what's funny is when I get to the hospital, my sergeant at the time, old salty sergeant, I was like, man, I think I should call my wife because the ambulance comes. <laughs> and what's funny is I tell this story all the time, and the guys give me crap that I stay, try to stay calm on the radio because you don't want to sound like you're losing it, right? You're like, uh, send help. And then when I'm off the radio, I'm like, oh, God, baby Jesus. You know, this hurts so bad. Yeah, I'm not uh, yeah this is where like I'm at. Girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll wait till I'm off the radio to sound like a twelve. You lower your voice yeah. a little on the radio. I'm good. I'm over here. Oh, God, why? You can find me over here. <laughs> but the paramedics get there, and they want to cut my pants. And this is hilarious. But in the Chandler Police Department, they pay for our uniforms, so I didn't have to pay for, for my pants or anything. But God, I did not want to cut the pants. I don't know why. Don't cut my pants. Don't cut my pants. Oh, oh God. But it was fine. But um, did they cut them anyway? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Started giving me the good meds, all that good stuff. But when I get to the hospital, I'm like, I should call my wife. And he goes, um, Go ahead, but don't Jerry Springer this up, right? And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> don't Jerry Springer. Okay, so I call my wife, and I'm like, Hey, I'm in the hospital. You should have said, well, I won't call my girlfriend too. <laughs> yeah, let me call her too. And of course, any anyone who's out there who's married to a law enforcement officer or you know, dating a law enforcement officer, if you get a call saying you're you know, you're in the hospital, they don't want to hear that. So she starts to freak out. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I think it's a torn ECL. I'm good. And then about thirty minutes later, my best friend's at the door, knocking on her door, saying, Hey, you need to come to the hospital. And uh, she's like, What? So yeah, they. Uh, it's just a broken leg. Just a broken okay. leg. But they doped me up with all this good stuff. <laughs> and then the uh, personnel from the police department started showing up. They wanted me to sign paperwork. I have no idea what was going on, but I was like, you know, you're all loopy. And you're like, I got this. Who knows what I said? But it was good times, good times. Yeah. So, yeah, broke my leg out of all of 2012, like I said. Came back to the road in 2013. Did you do uh, light duty during 12 at all? Very little because I was in so much rehab. I couldn't even move and I was on meds forever. Sure. So wow. I couldn't drive for <laughs> God who knows how long. Wow. Yeah. So I remember Christmas, I was in a full legged cast on the couch and had a brand new baby and God, it was it was horrible. <laughs> good times. Yeah. In good law times. enforcement. Yes. Yeah. Good times. So yeah. Um went back to work in thirteen. And, uh, you know, some other bumps and bruises along the way, of course, comes with the job. But um, Just eventually. Just think twice before you chased anybody, though. No, you know, when you're young, you, that's why I say being, being a cop now is like it's a young man's game. It if is. you want to work the road, it's a young man's game. It is. I mean, it's fun, right? I mean, it's well, all about chasing. Until it's not. Yeah, until it's not, right? See, I didn't game. like those foot pursuit stuff. No. I'd just ride my motorcycle right next to them. You better slow down and stop because I'm, I'm not going to get there tired. There you go, right? Uh, I got a full tank of gas. Yeah. We can go all night. My wife's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. It just, it's ingrained in your head. It's kind of like. When uh, somebody turns and runs from you, it's you just like that wolf you instinct, can't right? help it. You yeah. chase it. It's a challenge. It's like a greyhound to a rabbit. Uh -huh. Like, you see it run, you got to chase it. Right. Right? And like, huh, got to get it. Yeah, you can't yeah. turn that off. No, you can't. It just becomes ingrained. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. the challenge. It's uh -huh. lovely. But yeah, so um, eventually made my way to be a detective in the uh, auto theft and burglary unit. 
So I did that until I, uh, eventually my knee, um, I had like four surgeries on it just to keep it going. And I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to keep going. I don't want to leave the career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go in, they would clean out, um, they would redo, you know, whatever they could to just keep me going, to keep me going. Well, eventually it was down to bone on bone. And my doc at the time told me, I'm going to send you to another guy because I don't do replacements, but I want him to take a look at you. And I was like, replacement? Like, that's the last thing I want because I knew somewhere in the back of my head that that would mean that my career would probably be over. So I did, I go and talk to this guy that he refers me to. And immediately he takes an x-ray and he goes, you're going to need a full knee replacement and your career as a law enforcement officer is over. Like all like spilled it out all within like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was like big slap to the face. Like, what did I just hear? How am I going to internalize this? So I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm surprised you haven't lost your leg yet. It's that bad. And I was like. I think I, I think I can. <laughs> yeah. I said I think I can keep going. Why am I? Can I get a second opinion? <laughs> so I go home and I tell my wife, and I was like, "I'm going to put it off as long as I can. I, I don't want to leave." So she goes, "Well, eventually, you know, what if something worse happens?" I was like, "Well, if that day comes, then it'll come. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to keep. I'll see if I can just keep sucking it up for as long as I can, and just keep working and just." Keep going. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. But as a detective, really, why it, it didn't like the detectives necessarily get out and are chasing people usually. No, we're not chasing people. Um, you know, we did some undercover stuff, and we got to make arrests out, and you know, we would set up deals and sure, you know, buy stolen property or whatever, and make arrests, and that stuff was fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're trying to find people who break into people's homes or to cars, and you know. Um, so you got a gun. You just shoot them. Watch out. you already got an injury. I think that's yeah, just well the, yeah. the bullet moves faster that's than right. your legs will ever move anyway. That is true. That is true. But, yeah, I just didn't want to give it up. And eventually my wife talked me into I should probably get it done. So I went in um, 2019. What yeah, was I was going to say, I met you before Yeah, because we were talking about all this because I even, and I don't remember. So 2018 remember. is when I came, sorry, because I think my appointment was sometime in 2018 when he told me all this. And didn't yeah. we talk about you even talking to the orthopedic people in Alabama Correct. that are some yep, of the top in the country? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, and I can't even remember his name now. I should know it. Nope. I do remember that, though. Um, and did you actually talk to them? I reached out, but their appointments were so far out. They were yeah. so booked out. So. Yeah. Um, work comp approved the guy I was at, and um, yeah, in 2019, I think February, I had the surgery, and that was hard, you know, going in. I knew driving to the hospital, this was it. But like, did the department know, or you were just um, thinking, let's see how it goes? My department did not know. So I didn't tell them, um, you know, I didn't tell them what the doctor said my career was going to be over. Right. I just said, hey. Going in for a knee replacement, they said it's my only option now because my leg's so bad. I just kind of left it at that. But here's my confusion because, and and maybe there is a huge difference, but a knee replacement versus some of our veterans, uh, I know I always loved the meme of the guy who lost both of his legs from the knee down and had artificial legs and he became a police officer. 
And he said he told the chief the advantage. I think it was somebody in Texas. He said the advantage to him was if he broke his leg chasing somebody, he'd just go to this truck and put on a new one. I know. I thought about putting on, you know, those. Uh, who was that? Was it the South African runner yeah. for track oh, who yeah. had the blade? Right. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'll put on one of those. It'll look awesome. Right? But no. Uh, so I how can someone like that? I think it depends on the agency. Okay. So what happened was when they went in and did the surgery, they actually had to drill halfway down into my tibia and put a prosthesis stint. Uh-huh. And they said, basically, if anything happens to that stint while it's in there, because it, you needed it for stability. So if you got into a fight or a foot pursuit at any moment, you know, if that stint came through your leg, we would amputate the leg. And the city said, we're not taking on that liability. Uh, okay. And so they're not willing to face that liability. Gotcha. Right. So that's okay. why they... Okay. went forward with the medical. Okay. All right. Because that, that was where I got confused because I thought, okay, so if these others can do it with an mm-hmm. artificial, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to have to pay if it wound up coming Correct. down to that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which, I don't know. It is what it is, right? So how long was it between surgery and medically retiring? Surgery was in February and I retired in September. Okay. But you went back. I did not go back. Oh, I thought it took me. I the surgery was super bad. Um, it took me forever to recover. Mm-hmm. I was on uh, the worst part was so they put me on pain pills, mm-hmm. and so I was on um, perks and who knows what else. And I told them, "Hey, it's not, it's not helping." And so they just gave me bigger dosages. Sure. And that's just what they do, right? Oh, so yeah. I was on a bigger dosage, and I was on muscle relaxers. So I would wake up. I would take uh, I would take whatever milligrams. I'd mm-hmm. take a muscle relaxer, and I'd go to sleep. I'd wake back up. I'd go in pain. I'd pop more and go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about nine weeks. Wow. Probably straight, nine, ten weeks. <laughs> and I became addicted to them. Uh, Addicted is probably a strong word. Um, dependent. I became very dependent on them. So I decided that um, I was going to stop them, but I stopped them cold turkey. Like, I didn't even try to wean <laughs> off of them. Here we go. More, more yeah. intelligence going <laughs> so, on yeah. here. This is why, right? So now, and it took me forever to even get up and walk. I was on a walker forever. Um, it Did- took me forever for physical therapy to, like, even start to help. Because they didn't want you up and around No, at all? I could. It just was so painful. painful. And it was almost impossible, if you want to use that word, to like for me to even get up. Like I couldn't even physically get up. Sure. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything without assistance. I was almost like an infant. Like, I don't know. There's probably guys out there who have been through some things. And, you know, if you're seriously injured and you can't, you don't want people like, I don't know, being in the military and police officer, I don't want people to wait on me all the time, right? Sure. So now you're reliable. Like, I needed my wife to help me shower. Like, I had to have a chair in the shower just so I could sit and bathe myself. And then I needed her to help me to, like, dry off. Like, sure. that's super becoming dependent on someone. Like, I don't want to be like that. I have to ask, though, <laughs> did you ever snap at her when you were in the shower? Because I have a really good story about that. <laughs> I didn't. But let me tell you, nothing makes you, uh, you feel... Worth it when you're sitting on a chair, buck naked in a shower. You're like, humble. <laughs> you're like, oh man, what am I uh, doing? My ex wasn't. <laughs> he did. He he broke his down the side of plate and nine screws, and I'll never forget him sitting in that shower and 
snapped at me, and I looked at him and said, huh, you might want to look at your circumstances. I'll tip you over. Well, no, I was just going to leave him there till the hot water ran out. I could leave him there for days. That's what he wanted. He couldn't reach it to turn it off. He'd just be sitting in a cold shower. Yeah. I, I'm surprised you just didn't reach over and turn that hot water off. Well, yeah. I could have done that, too, but I thought it'd be better to let it slowly. slowly. It's getting cold. Yeah. 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 And nothing I could do. So you were a little smarter than he was. I was. Okay. I was. Okay. I, knew, uh, I knew I needed her to survive. So uh-huh. <laughs> it had to be good. Yeah. Well, mine had to be reminded. <laughs> so, yeah. I. Uh, but, yeah, I was but on the But what made meds. you finally go, okay, i got to stop. Them? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I was just on him for so long. And then... Um, I mean, was it the realization well, I think you around getting the, better? Around that time, I was getting better. The issue was when you start feeling better, you're like, oh, I think I can try to do some things, right? Uh-huh. And so one of those things is, hey, I want to try to be romantic with my wife. Well, that becomes almost impossible when you're on yep. pain pills. Yep. And so um, that was a big factor for me. And okay. so that was a big thing. And then just... You're just popping pills, and you're like, man, this is what. I put people I mean, in jail I know, for I put stuff people like, in jail for <laughs> like this, right? So what am I doing? So I just, just I should have just weaned off, but I didn't, and I went through withdrawals for about, and uh, I don't know. I called some buddies, Mr. Cunningham. Mm-hmm. He's like, just, and I was like, do I just, <laughs> this is such a junkie. Oh, my gosh. This is such a Dennis junkie Cunningham thing. Cunningham for <laughs> advice. <laughs> I know, but Lord, hey, let me he slap gives, you now. He goes, I said, Oh, should I just should I just take one to feel better? It's like that junkie mentality. Well, just one won't hurt. Just one won't hurt, right? And he goes, dude, it'll take you like three or four days to get out of your system. Just suck it up. It's gonna suck, but just <laughs> deal with it. That's him, right? Just deal. Just suck it up, and you'll be good. Yeah, so, this from a man who did <laughs> double knee replacements at the same time. I know. Seriously. So I was in the fetal position on my couch, basically going through my withdrawals for about four or five days. Wow. And then it slowly started. But no one prepares you for that. Nope. No one helps you through that. Nope. Right? They're like, oh, here you go. Here you go. And not. And here's the biggest thing for me. I probably had two guys through the department that checked on me. Yep. And those were my friends. Admin never checked on me. Um, supervisor never checked on me. No. Um, no one ever came and saw me at the hospital. No one came and saw me at home except for a couple of my squad mates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of makes you think where you stood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. For me, like, you stick your neck out there every day for this place, and then they can't even come see how you're doing. Well, you know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't like you got hurt playing or if basketball, I needed anything. Right. you know, on the weekend. Yeah. You, you got hurt doing the, the job. job yeah. Which was probably the only silver lining out of this whole thing. It, was, it happened at work. Yes, yes. So... And I, I know when you first came to me and we were talking about your options and stuff, and, and your big thing was giving up that identity, too. Plus, you did, you, you did still enjoy the job. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it's like when people get divorced, they don't get married going, well, we might get divorced. And so it's, you're thinking it's for life. Right. You're thinking at least 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I, had, I have two boys, two young boys. Right. And I just wanted them to know that their dad was honorable. Right. right? And so... 
my dad was in the military, and my dad did this long career as a cop, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't want them to think less of me. I don't know why that crossed my mind. But that was a lot. A, that was a big factor for me mm. is how my kids would see me. And uh, It was almost like you were trying to compare, too, if you'd been shot versus right. this leg injury. Right, right, like, right. Somehow there was a difference even right. in the honorable mm-hmm. medical retirement. Right, right, right. But the reality is, is, you know, it wasn't like you, you know, stepped in a pothole. Right. Yeah, but you got that typical mentality of a, of a cop, though, where you're, you're, you'll never give up the fight. You're always in it to win. Mm-hmm. Sure. You always. Know? And, but when then you're forced into the situation where you're at, that's when you start doubting yourself. Absolutely. And that's probably where— And that was the doubt, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's where the, the issue with the kids came in. Yep. Because now, now you're less than what you thought you were. Right. Well, and, and boys especially. I know, boys. Yeah. Telling, telling everybody, Dad's a policeman. And but, he does that now. My oldest is in seventh grade, and he tells his teachers, oh, my dad was in the military. My dad was a police officer. One of his teachers now is a retired LAPD guy. Uh-huh. So he talks to him all the time about his dad. Da, da, da. So I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. But um, Yeah, but you remember what I told you? <laughs> They'll hit an age where they're going, oh, no, my dad wasn't a cop. <laughs> I wouldn't have a cop for nope. a dad. <laughs> Never. <laughs> you, you got me confused with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He sees me in, like, situations. It's funny. is like we're at a soccer game. Both boys play soccer. And my youngest was at a tournament. My oldest was with me. And I went down to the opposite side where the other parents were. To watch my other boy, who they're both keepers, so I'm down there, and uh, some parents want to start, I don't know if you want to call it mouthing off, but they start, I don't know, whatever it is. So I give back a little bit, and my son's like, oh, my God, are you going to fight those guys? <laughs> like, calm down. Like, I'm just talking. Like, he thinks everything's going to be, like, so escalated. And uh, I'm like, oh, just calm down, calm down. <laughs> and you pull but your yeah. shirt back and you're still on your head. Yeah, okay. Whatever. He's like, he probably could take him out so quickly. <laughs> so I just let him keep thinking. But, yeah, it's fine with the boys now. Um, they don't think any less of me that I know of. <laughs> did they talk about it at all when you first did it? Did um, retire? They didn't talk about what's funny is they talk about the funny story. So one of the times I went in for a surgery and I was trying to come through and I guess I started crying and saying, I want my boys. So they give me a hard time. They're like, I want my boys. So, oh, big dad's a wimp, right? So that's how, I mean, they give it to me like that. They don't bring up, um, they don't bring up my injury, really. That's like we're messing around. They're like, hey, which one's your bad leg? Like, to make sure that it doesn't hurt me. But, um, yeah, but, they're fine with everything. But they know what happened. They know what the happened. The whole story. They know the whole story. Um, and I try to tell them little bits and stuff of stuff that I did on the road. But I still be careful because they're young. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to hear everything. But What happened to the guy you were chasing? So what's funny is where I was in the emergency room, they brought him to the room right next to me. <laughs> and I guess when you get wow. bit by a dog, it has to be cleaned out with, like, a oh, wire brush yeah, yeah. because of, like, any cool. uh, germs well, yeah. or anything that could get in there. And yeah. dirt. And, and dirt yeah. and anything. So yeah, that dog's pulling they put him right next to me, and they're scrubbing. He's screaming. And you're um, going, bless yeah. your heart. <laughs> but he, uh, Karma. Yeah. This is what Let I did not agree it. with. <laughs> the charges go up. And they try because to, of your injury. Well, the charges, charges go up for uh, to the Maricopa County oh. for charging, and it comes down and they ask what I want. 
right? Because I'm the victim. Uh-huh. Of course, I say, hey, he needs to do jail time. Sure. Like, you don't get to fight a cop and, like, there's no consequences exactly. for your actions. Sure. So at some point during all this, they say, well, m- mom or whoever, he wants to go to military school. And he can't be on probation or anything if he's going to go to military school. So we're thinking military school might be a good thing. So we're just going to drop the probation thing. And then, because he wouldn't do jail time, he would just be put on probation. So we're going to get rid of the probation so he can just do his military school. So basically, he got away with nothing. We're not talking about military school like a West Point. Or no, this would have been like a... We're talking about like a reformatory correct. military yep. type school. Did he go? I have no idea. I never <laughs> kept up with him. Oh. I knew last thing I knew is he lived in Mesa somewhere. And... uh I have no idea. Don't know what happened, but they didn't take me into consideration for anything. Well, hmm. Ron's dog got a little bit of yeah. vengeance <laughs> for you. I guess there was something there. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, I held that on for a very long time is, you know, especially after my replacement surgery, I couldn't even walk out of the hospital bed. And this guy's out living his life. Sure. And here I am in a hospital bed having to learn how to rewalk. Sure. And I don't know. It sucks. Yeah, so. there ought to be more to that, you know, some some other kind of repayment too. Yeah. Right. But um, well, then they were like, "Oh, if you sue them, then any money you get would go to workers' comp mm-hmm. because right. they got to pay them. Yeah, back I got to pay them back, right? So I'm like, well, I'm not gonna go after sure. them and help workers' comp out. Like, well, you probably didn't have anything anyway. Yeah, probably not. So it, that part of it, yeah, isn't really. So yeah, productive. I was in a hospital bed, and he's out living probably his best life, and. I think we ought to run him and find out. <laughs> let's, let's see how much of his best life yeah. he's lived. He's really lived. But what's interesting is I do have a copy of that report, of the initial report when I did break my leg. Uh-huh. I still have it at home. Why? And um, I don't know, in case I ever want to go back to it for whatever reason. It's like in a folder um, in with my files. I never pull it out or anything, but it's there if I ever want it. Okay. I don't know why. I just held on to it. Well, and and we talked about all your options of things that you could do before you actually right. pull the trigger on own medically retiring. Correct. And you know, because you would have had how many years at that point when you close were... to fifteen. Okay, and your plan was twenty. Twenty, at least. And yeah. Then well, drop. initially when I first got in, I was like, oh, I'll try to get the lieutenant, and then that kind of went away. And then, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you see what I, the yeah, caliber of lieutenants saw, were at the time? So I was like, you know, when I made detective, I was like, oh, I could just finish off as a detective. I was doing good and he I enjoyed what I was doing. Moment. I did. No, I, I don't did. want to promote. No, I don't I want a lobotomy. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to promote. So, and I didn't want to go back to the road. So I was like, oh, I'll just finish out 20 years was my plan mm-hmm. and then leave. And who knows from there? And the adjustment for you, once once we're you know off meds, we're walking again, mm-hmm. and then you call the PD and go, um, I'm out. My doc writes something up and says, you know, basically I can't be a cop anymore, mm-hmm. and with my restrictions, so I take that to uh, workers' comp sends that over because they have all the records. They send it over to HR. Mm-hmm. So then the process starts. And how long was that process? Oh, God. It probably started in, see, I retired in September, so maybe June, May or June. Okay. And and really, it's a— They had to wait until they said, because their big thing was, hey, you're still going through physical therapy, 
they don't know if they can get you any better. And I'm like, I can't run (laughs) (laughs) no matter what. (laughs) And basically physical therapy was just getting me to be functional where I could walk on my own, you know, without a cane, without anything. I could just try to live a normal life. They're not trying to bring me back to be a police officer into the physical standards of a police officer. They're just trying to bring me back to where I can function. Sure. So, and a medical from that perspective is a little more cut and dry, say, you than the think. PTSD ones are. <laughs> yeah, that can go you would think because you can see time. it, right? Yes. It's a physical injury. You can see it. Well, and you got a, a doctor. We, we don't need 10 doctors right. to tell us that you can't run. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But you'd be surprised if going through the medical process and the doctor writes all this and still the board would not approve it right away. They wanted more documentation of what would happen if and then what if this and then, I'm like guys like then they sent me to a you know a independent IMA. in IME mm-hmm. independent mm-hmm. medical exam and he agreed with everything that and of course every doc thinks they're the ones that can fix you well if you come here and I could do a surgery to make you better like that's right but yeah. I, here's the thing you can't make me go through another surgery right. I've already been through a lot and right. I don't want to go through another surgery and what and, was the next surgery going to do, did well, he Well, right now, um, my current doc, what's happening is when I walk, no matter what I do, it's always popping, like mm-hmm. pop, pop, pop. And he says the little spacer in there, they could put a, like a tighter one in there, but it would it's not a little surgery. they got to open me all the way up. And I'm just like, <laughs> no I think, thanks. I think I can live with it, right? <laughs> so that's where I was Pop, before. No <laughs> but what I don't want to go I in. Don't get this fixed. <laughs> yeah, it just pop. Is it annoying? Yes. Is it super painful? Mm, I don't know. But it's just one thing after another. And I just, I've already had too many surgeries on it. So. Sure. Well, and again, I'm I'm shocked that they would even open the door of possibility of you coming back. Yeah. Again, because of that liability, right. if they say right. you can work and you go out there, and yeah, oh, that could have been really bad. Yeah, could have been really bad. And so, so the process for you though to accept it. Um. Well, they just had a hearing. You know, I'm in there, and it was kind of. Uh, opening because at the end it's like you go in there it's like two minutes long and they say okay we approved the uh medical retirement oh they did and um it was the second board hearing they approved it and they said just wait here and we'll get all your paperwork signed and so i signed all my paperwork that day and it was just like boom boom it was over but were you mentally prepared realizing it would happen that quickly i tried to mentally prepare myself Uh saying it could happen Mm -hmm. you know but um I don't know. I guess you're never ready until it happens. Sure. So. But you weren't really holding out much hope after all the pain and correct. everything knew, you had been through. I knew either it was going to be a medical or we would fight it to be a medical mm-hmm. because it happened at work yep. and all the doctor's documentation and the IME, you know, said the same stuff. Sure. And so, like you said, it's different from like a PTSD thing, right? Because that's not, they have, they can't see what's going on in your brain. They right. can't. So a physical, like. It's there. Like, there's physical evidence. Here's the x-ray. Yeah, like, Look at it. There's not much to it. So, yeah, it was cut and dry, but it was a little bit being tagged along by the city, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I get they have to have their ducks in a row, too, but when something's so obvious, I don't know why they... I almost feel like, you know, and I have guys who've gone through the process as well, and I almost think they tag you along a little bit to, you know. Some guys can't take it. Like, they bring you to the brink of insanity almost. And you'll just quit and walk yeah. away. Yeah. Sure. 
Now, how does Workman's Comp work on something like this? Because we're really beginning to figure out how it works on PTSD stuff. So Workman's Comp. So right now, so after you're released from your doctor, they put you on supportive care. So I'm on currently on supportive care, which covers everything but basically a surgery. So if it needs to have a surgery, they just request my case to be reopened. Okay. Workers' comp approves it. I can go in for a surgery. But it covers right now, it covers physical therapy if I need to go back in. It covers medications, medical devices, doctor's visits, anything I need besides surgery, 100% covered. Because really, knee replacements, don't they have to be done? I mean, you're fairly young when you retired, so. Correct, but the one they did on me uh-huh. is what they would have done already in a revision. So oh. your second time going in is what they did on me the first time because it was so bad. So odds are you wouldn't ever I don't have know. another one? I don't even know. Hopefully technology gets awesome in the future. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you where go I go back to the little sling leg. I was going to say, right? you go in, cut this baby off. <laughs> Give me that artificial. I'm going back to work. I'm going to go run. This thing was awesome. <laughs> but do you continue to be paid by Workman's no. Comp? Was there like nothing. a settlement? Um, At the point of retirement? There was no settlement. I uh, Initially, when it happened, I got I had to reach. So I'm not really familiar how it works now, but for me, the medical bills had to reach a X amount of dollars. Okay. Once I reached that, I got paid like 33% of what the medical bill was so far. So let's say it was $100,000. I'm just throwing a number out there. Sure. But I would get paid 33% of that 100000 Up front. Right. Okay. And then I would get paid quarterly okay. based on 33% of everything that was on that quarter. So January, February, March, medical visits, physical therapy, whatever that cost was, I would get 33% of that continuing. So if there was none of that, there was nothing. Correct. And so, that goes... And then once you're medically retired, mm-hmm. it's done. Okay. That's when so, you go into the supportive care and they take care of... Supportive care pays for everything. Mm-hmm. Correct. And then I get nothing from workers' comp. Um, the only... Like I said, the silver lining was it happened at work. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get my pension. They pushed me out to my 20-year mark, and I get my pension for and the rest of my tax life. it's tax-free? Correct. 100%? 100%. Okay. Because that changed also, I think, right before yours, because some of them they were talking about you'd only get tax-free up to the point that you would have been mm-hmm. had your 20. and Gotcha. Yeah, but that changed, in, at least in Arizona, that changed. Correct. So that's a good thing. Yes. So... Yeah, it does help. So And so the supportive care, though, is for life. Correct. Nice. Yep. Okay. And it's no big deal. Yeah, so if... he writes down, the doctor says, hey, you have to come see me three times a year. Okay. You know, we want three visits. And sometimes they'll do x-rays or whatever. And then we just talk about plan of action and how everything's going. And, yeah, if I need to go in for physical therapy because it gets stiff or whatever, then I can go and it covers it. Or And 10 years from now, they come out with a new knee replacement you, the case gets reopened and they I have to cover it. it. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Yeah, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. I know. So after you retired and now you're at home, you're done, what's the hardest part for you? What's what's your biggest challenge? Uh, I guess bugging my wife. <laughs> Staying out of her hair. <laughs> I thought I'd be an awesome stay-at-home dad, and I still do. I still think I'd be yeah, awesome at this. He was feeding me that line last week when he was in here, and I'm going, huh, what are you talking about? No, it's good. Um, so my wife works from home, and my biggest thing was 
I got bored. You know, and so I'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, let's go. You want to go to lunch? You want to go here? Let's go. Let's go. What are you doing? I'm what working. are you doing? You want to go hang out? <laughs> and so she's like, oh, my God, you're driving me crazy. Find a job. <laughs> and so um, I looked and I started uh, doing uh, fraud investigations for Geico. And I got into that. Um, now you were, but you were teaching college. Correct. Some. I was teaching college. Correct. At Mesa Community College. Did you still do that after you medically retired? No, because we were into COVID. Oh, and so right. the school shut down that's right. and then I tried to reach back out in 21 and they said their numbers have not come back at that time, you know, to maintain everyone to have a job. Sure. And I was just adjuncting it. So, yeah, um, they were trying to get their full time teachers back in, which was understandable. Sure. Nothing there. And then, yeah, so never got back into the classroom. But I really enjoyed that part of it. Even any offers on the online teaching of it? No. I, I never, I, I enjoyed online. Which would have been so awesome. Much better, but. I mean, I would do online because then I could do it from anywhere. Sure. You know? Right. Yeah, it's just not nearly but as much fun. True. I like seeing people face to face and. Yeah. Interaction of really The interaction the with the classes and the students get to ask questions and it's more, and then everyone's wondering the same questions. It's cool. Yeah. And I used to get to threaten mine. So. <laughs> and most of them were cops and firefighters. And yep. so I had fun with that part of it. It was super cool. Yeah. yeah. And some kids would just take it because they're like, oh, this is a like a required whatever they listed it as. Like not an elective. I don't know what they call it there. But they they like, oh, I just got to take it for my whatever. And then at the end, they're like, this was a really awesome class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. See? <laughs> yeah. And what was it you were teaching? I was teaching uh, like the intro to law enforcement. And then I was teaching ethics. In law enforcement, <laughs> well, you could I made probably, ethics really good because uh, so you could probably get a good full time job yeah. just going around to departments now and Talk trying about to teach ethics. ethics. No kidding. Well, the, that's the whole problem. Yeah. You can teach it, but it doesn't mean it's going to get done. Well, know, command stick. staff should be required to go to it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but Absolutely. then how do we hold them to it is right. the question. Absolutely. Because my yeah. ethics teaching would be here are their pictures. <laughs> I know. Take care what, of them. But here's you know, what not to do. You say that, but when we did training every year, they would bring up the – was it AZ Post? You know how they list all the bad officers who've done everything? Right. Oh, well, the, and yeah. they would say the stories and they would say, oh, Officer X did whatever. And you're like, oh, man, why would he ever do that? And then people do it. Like, or you'd go, and Ooh. they do the craziest you're like, things. You're like, oh. Yeah, but some of the stuff. Glad people, I didn't get caught. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> man, I did that five or six times. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. yeah. And I you're know. just like, man, for real, people do that? Yeah. Why? And, you, and some things that are done, you're like, where does that even come from to even get right. into that kind of trouble to yeah. even right. think about doing something like that? Were they trying to get <laughs> yeah. in trouble and get out? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But no. they do that, and yet you still got officers getting in trouble, you know? So, I sure. mean, they try to do the scare tactic, and that doesn't work. So yeah. I don't know what the right answer is, but. Well, hmm. yeah, eth- like I said, I wouldn't mind teaching an ethics class. It's just knowing that most of it's probably not going to get followed because, right. again, True. leadership, everything goes on in a department. It it's all mm-hmm. starts at the head. Absolutely. And then it works its way down. Yep. So when there's more morale issues and all kinds of stuff going yep. on, you better look the at the top. The fish rots from the head down. That's, That's exactly right. right. And sadly, too many departments don't, don't realize look at it. Well, yeah. they don't want to look at it. Because it mm-hmm. could never be them. Absolutely. Ever. And that's where you usually start with the problem, when it could never be them. And that's, that's you know, Tom and I teach a class on leadership. And I said, 
that's something that's been missed too. And sadly to me out here, I bet, I know they did it in Alabama for what it was worth, um, but we had Maxwell Air Force Base, which is where everybody goes for a lot of the the trainings from all branches, actually. And uh, the PD there used to do some interchanging of leadership classes. Mm. Officers could go to Maxwell and go through the military leadership stuff. Of course, they'd get back to Montgomery PD and John Wilson, the chief, would say, forget everything you learned because I'm not going to let you do that stuff here. But, but, you know, you'd think the departments around here would work something with Luke Air Force Base being right there. You would there. think. Yeah. There's got to be Because they send, like, I don't know, you were security forces too, correct? Yep. So I got out of staff sergeant, so I had to go to leadership school. I had to go to NCO school and all that stuff. So they yeah. teach you all that stuff there, and I don't know if Luke has one there, but that would be a great opportunity to, I mean. Absolutely. If you're running troops and sure. running personnel. And I know that their canines train with the law enforcement canines out here. Correct. And so there's got to be some ability to do some kind of exchange in that. But sadly, I think there are too many departments that at the top, they don't want the leadership part being taught because that takes control from them. Well, then you're bucking the guys who think they're in leadership, right? Right. And so then you teach, teach officers leadership. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, these guys are not leaders. <laughs> right. And now you have a An command issue. and control issue, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. so how long were you off work? How long were you this wonderful house husband that was driving your <laughs> wife crazy? Aye, aye, aye. Uh, Stay at home dad. Yeah. I know. It was awesome. <laughs> I don't know. couple months couple months maybe two three months she she had enough she had enough and so you (laughs) wound up doing what uh i went and worked for geico okay did some investigation stuff um was that a challenge at all not really okay the issue i was really good at it because i did auto theft i did burglary so in accidents and being a cop you run into all that stuff so you know i could read someone's statement and be like oh they're lying right (laughs) you know sure and i could be like oh look Read this, like, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. Like, you're not going to tell me your car's stolen. And then, like, I'm not going to find out, right? So, like, I'm not going to run a border crossing photo and see a picture of you driving across the border. Exactly. Like, come on, in your car. (laughs) Or I'm not going to, it's just stupid. So I go talk to people and be like, I just like, hey, tell me what happened. And they talk to me. And like you said, in person, I can read people. Sure. So I know you're lying to me. Sure. So then I just stop everything and be like, here's what we're going to do. I know what you're telling me is a lie, and this is why I know. So we can continue through your story, mm-hmm. or we can stop. Because if you continue, insurance fraud is a class six felony, mm-hmm. and that would suck for someone so young to be a convicted felon, <laughs> right? <laughs> or we can just go and withdraw your claim, you and go. they would withdraw their claim, yeah. right? Because now I'm saving Geico money, sure, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars. Now I don't have to pay out on something or pay on an accident or anything. Sure. Yeah, it wasn't very hard. <laughs> so how long did you do that? I did that for 10 months, I think, almost a year. Okay. And yep. then? Now, from there, I'm at where I'm at now. I'm at uh, Queen Creek High School, mm-hmm. and I'm a college and career advisor there now. And to me, that's a that's something. I, I wasn't even sure high schools were still doing that. Mm-hmm. I know. So was, we have them. I know it, bigger schools because they're a 6A school, so uh-huh. it's the biggest it can be. But, um, yeah, we have a center. There was three of us at one point. Um, now there's two of us. But, yeah. It, we Were you just, doing career testing, like computer-generated um, career tests? We test? have a program we use where they do assessments based on their personality and their learning. It's mm-hmm. like 25 or 50 questions each. And it basically will put out careers they think that they would be good at. Yeah. So it's kind of cool for kids who don't know what they want to do. Sure. 
But like I tell everyone, what I do is just make sure a kid has a plan. I don't care if you want to go into the workforce, if you want to go into trade school, military, college. Absolutely. Just we want to have a, a plan, and let's try to get that plan to be successful. So if you want to go to college, we're going to try to be, you know, let's try to get scholarships and make you less debt as possible going sure. into college. Trade school, I mean, there's EVIT. In a junior year, you can start going to EVIT, get your certifications by the time you retire or by the time you graduate. Yep. And you can go right into the workforce and start making money. Because I think that's something you and I talked about when you were trying to figure out what you would do. And I, we have a lot of clients at Under the Shield that are either about to retire, being forced out, quit, whatever. And they don't have a clue what they want to do. And I'm like, we need career counseling mm-hmm. somewhere. I enjoy it. Um, I want to be is, retired. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All my friends are like, Sorry, you're the busiest. not happening, Tom. <laughs> all my friends tell me I'm the busiest retiree guy they know. I'm like, I know I should just That sleep. one too, but that's because I told you no. No, I sorry. Know. You got other things you got to do. Yeah. I, I, I like gotta, the career thing. The thing with kids is now I think the enabling of parents really, uh, you can be whatever you want. You can't, right? So if you're horrible in math. You're not going to be an engineer. Right. Sorry to break your heart. Yeah. Right. right. But um, but just getting it out there. And I understand that not everyone wants to go to college, which is fine. Sure. But let's look at a trade. Let's try to make a, you know, going to work at Taco Bell after high school is not a plan. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. But you're not going to get yeah, anywhere. You're not going to get anywhere. You need to be a productive member of society. So I really enjoy it. I think the district sometimes hampers it to where they take away the ability to work with kids and they mm-hmm. want a lot of boxes checked. Mm-hmm just so they can keep their rating going. But um, I enjoy trying to help people figure out what they want to do with their life. Well, and, you know, you're talking about like a kid who says he wants to go into engineering but isn't good at math. I'd have to question why that one is even interested in engineering. It sounds like more of a parent. Yep, push, parent or a parent and engineer or something. Right. Yeah. yeah, how could you be interested in that field Absolutely. and not do well in math? Mm-hmm. That you know, it's like I thought I wanted to be a nurse till I couldn't pass chemistry <laughs> yeah. in college the first year, and I and was you like, don't like blood, <laughs> well, and don't like smells and the blood. program we use for uh, that. I was saying how we do the assessments and stuff when it tells them their careers. What's really cool about it is they can watch videos from people employed in those positions. So one of the best things I kind of equivalent it to is like say a veterinarian, mm-hmm. right? So they'll talk about what their job is. And they'll say, this is what my job is about every day and what kind of what it is. Now, here's the pros and the cons and some things you don't think about is, hey, sometimes you may have to put an animal down. Sure. And people who want to be a vet may not think about that. Right. And they're like, I have to do what? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, it's good. Just like, oh, I don't like blood. Oh, then maybe you shouldn't be a nurse or a doctor, <laughs> right? So, But it, those <laughs> tests should, should show you, though, that really what I was looking for was something in a helping field. Correct. Or like a health field or something that, you know, yeah, like you said, yeah. Or a building construction field yes. or something like that. Absolutely. And th- that's the stuff I think that's missing a lot right now, f- especially for adults. And I don't know, ASU down the road may have a career counseling center that people can go to to figure out if they need to get more degrees, whatever they need to do. I don't know. But that's something that I think uh, needs to be looked at. Absolutely. Because we've got a lot going out on medical retirements for many reasons, mm-hmm. whether it is PTSD or physical medical retirements or whatever. Um, and, you know, when you've got your heart set and this is something you were, you know, it's not like you're one of those who was looking for an excuse to get out. Right. And you, how old were you when you medically retired? 
I was 40. He's not good at math, so he's not an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's in college. That's why I'm math. Yeah, I was 40. Wow. 40 is, I mean, you you barely out of diapers yeah. by my standards. Yeah. But So, yeah, super young and didn't know. And that's the biggest thing right now is what is, you know, purpose. You know, being in the military, being in the police department, you have a purpose, right? Something that's bigger than yourself. You're a problem solver. People need you. And now finding something where you can be fulfilled, finding that purpose in your life is the hardest thing I've had to deal with so far, being out of the department. And then you lost one of yours to suicide. Correct. Very close friend. Correct. Just this past May. Correct. And again, several of you were all in that club kind of together that were close to him uh, when he made that, I think, very impulsive decision, as Mm -hmm. we were talking about the other day. And uh, that kind of is what led you reaching back out to me again, because you and Adam Thompson, who was one of our guests on here just a few Mm -hmm. weeks Mm -hmm. ago, were talking about this. And Adam has voiced an interest, along with another Chandler officer who's medically retired, Keith Smith, of becoming stress coaches here Absolutely. at Under the Shield. And uh, I, you're, um, you're, you'll be in the next class, no question about it. And that, I think that's the important thing for people to hear out here. They're, you're not done just because you retire, whether it's right. like Tom, who just got old and they said, <laughs> That is true. Time for you to go. When I did that test I was telling you about, Police was like on the bottom, like twenty four percent matching. What else was on there? Um, was there anything in mental health? No, it was stuff like urban planning, which was weird. Probably because you can, you're organized. I don't know. I don't which know. is not a typical trait of a police yeah. officer, right? But, but you've got several degrees, also. Correct. So you're one of those who. Enjoyed. So I got. School? I got my. Well, I got my bachelor's when I was in the military. Mm-hmm. I did that um, primarily because it was 100 percent paid for. In so criminal figured, justice or in what? Um, I got it in political science. Okay. I thought maybe I'd get into government um, in the political world. I didn't know. Um, I just thought it was fascinating. And then uh, when I broke my leg, I said, "Man, what if I can't be a cop anymore?" Mm-hmm. I should make myself more marketable. I should go get my master's because my wife had her master's, so I was talking to her. I was like, well, I could go get something in criminal justice, but what do you do with a criminal justice degree? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I went and got my MBA So um, in business so I could figure out who knows. And I like doing stuff like in operations, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. Um, I think it would be something kind of cool to do in operations. So I don't know. So what else what... was on your list? can't remember. Do you still have Wish those I know, results? I wish I knew we would have talked about this. I, I would have popped it back up. Well, but do you still have your results? I do. Be interesting to look to see if anything is in that field. And again, it's kind of hard to say it would be mental health because I think those tests look for certain things also that law right. enforcement's not going to meet. Heck, I don't meet it. And I've got a master's in counseling. But um It'd be interesting to see if there was something else in the helping side of it. Right. But your experience and stuff, Yeah. you know, to be able to talk to somebody, and there are plenty of them out there in similar situations right. who are having to make that decision when they don't really want to make that decision to retire. And that's why, I don't know, I think it'd be really good to, like what I brought up to you last week is about getting out there to try to help officers or veterans 
like I just feel like that's a calling. Like so, if I had someone that I knew I could talk to and be like, hey, and they'd be like, dude, you're gonna be fine. I did the same thing. Like, right. That's what I do now. Mm-hmm. You can find a job. Like there's multiple purpose for you out there. Sure. You know. And another big thing for me was um, I got back into church. Good. So that was a real good help. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's a big part of right. mm-hmm. not to say that everybody at under right. all of our stress coaches are, but I think the majority are, and everybody's got kind of a place here. But it gives it gives you an opportunity whether you retire because you're ready to get out of it, because um, you know that's a hard that's a hard adjustment. Truly, it is. Uh, yeah. you know, you you laugh about you just want to be retired. <laughs> Your wife would have had you beating down my door within a week. I still tell my wife, I'm going to be a stay home dad. I'm going to bake pies and muffins. It's going to be awesome. And she says, <laughs> she said, no, absolutely not. Not, not as long no. as I'm working from home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let her get out in the. Yeah. So you can stay home and clean. I was like, I'll wear an apron all day. It'll be awesome. Make sure and the just house is an clean. apron, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can clean and do the laundry. I'll let you borrow a pair of motor boots. Uh, there there you, you go. <laughs> wow, y'all are so much. You know, seriously. I um, did get dressed. Look, I'm wearing boots. <laughs> you know, is there anything about Ben's death and stuff that really you feel like the audience needs to hear? Hmm. You know, I know it was hard for you because you felt like he would normally have reached out to you or one of the kind of the three that he relied on a lot. And uh, there's a lot of this problem, as we're hearing now from Chicago, mm-hmm. um, major problems up there. I just read another one the other day. There were several in the in Texas that were not Border Patrol. We know Border Patrol has a high rate of suicide um, I think there are a lot of them out there that we don't even know because either departments are covering or mm-hmm. or they they don't count it because they will have retired right a week or two uh, mm-hmm. you know before they actually take their own life. A big thing for him was he didn't know what to do with his time. Yeah. So he did not work after retiring. And he medicaled. He medicaled with PTSD. Okay. And. I don't know. I, he could never find out what to do with his time. That was a big thing for him. And how, so, how long between retiring? He probably retired in. He retired before I did, so maybe a year before me. Okay. So maybe in eighteen, seventeen, somewhere in there. And this is why you know, and understand. We're not saying every one of them, but so many of them really and truly are line of duty deaths, mm-hmm. because either the department hasn't provided everything they needed. Or the right things, um, and yeah, they cut them completely off. They wouldn't even give him a shadow box. Um, <laughs> they refused to give him his duty weapon because they said they couldn't do that with PTSD. Even though he wasn't, he retired not because he was a danger to himself or others. Right, it was for circumstances that happened at the job. Yes, right. And they still wouldn't give him his duty weapon. Um, they didn't give him a shadow box. They waited. Almost wow. a year for giving him an award from the shooting that happened. So his shooting was years, mm-hmm. probably three years. So they waited probably four years and brought him back after to give him his medal <laughs> for it. Like it was That's just, crazy. and they just jerked him around. And then after the retirement, they wanted nothing to do with him. They just kind of wrote him off. Um, his supervisor at the time, 
emptied out his locker while he was still going through the process at work. And wow. he asked me to go to the supervisor's office to grab his box of stuff. And, you know, here's the part. It amazes me that they don't, administrations don't see the value of someone that's been through that kind of critical incident. Mm-hmm. Get them involved in training. Absolutely. You know, hire them as civilians to come back and do training for critical incidents. Talk about the things that they went through because the bottom line is the majority of them are normal reactions, but right. nobody wants to talk about it. So and it no makes it abnormal <clears throat> for everybody well, who goes through it. I mean, doesn't it. want officers to get into that, right? They don't want them to be having those reactions because now I have more officers off the road now. And they, they can't right, have but, that, right? But, so they but how's it gonna, working for yeah. them? It's going to come up one it's way or come the other. Up. Yeah. And it's basically the volcano yeah. waiting to erupt. Exactly. It, well, it makes no sense. And that's the thing about Mark Valenzuela teaching with us from Phoenix, because I think Mark has probably saved more officers' jobs because they hear him tell his story as a combat Marine who shot, shoots, and kills the guy, and he talks about the things of being broken, and then coming under the shield and the things he was doing and how that was healing him and he's helping others. And they're calling and going, okay, I know I'm going to be okay right? because you're okay. Yeah, if mm-hmm. you can do it, I can do it. Right. Absolutely. Right. But when you never hear those stories. You never do. And you're caught in your own head. The only right. stories you hear is the bad outcomes, right? <laughs> exactly. Or, or the badass, you know. Right. You, you can find people talk about their shooting, the tactical side. They're a dime a dozen. But the ones that will talk about being broken afterwards and the mm-hmm. system not providing what's needed and here's what we need to be doing and those kinds of things, they could fix the system. That's what I think, too. If you hire some of these guys back to go in and tell their stories, Absolutely. to the, especially the young guys, yep, you know, so that they can understand when they start having effects from the job that they go, okay, I remember so-and-so teaching – a class about this. This is normal. Be- this is a normal response. Yeah. I know I should go get some help. And that's, but yet they sit around and talk about we have to destigmatize getting help. But then you got but, someone that retires with PTSD. They yeah. don't even give them a shadow box. They don't. <laughs> it's like, I know. And give the them the open door to destigmatize. Or have a retirement form or anything. Exactly. They're just like, right. oh, he's done. Bye. Yeah. Right. But to say they'll feel you. No, that's that's just packing more stuff in the uh, stigma and making it. I heard a saying that says, you know, everyone thinks like, oh, I did this much for the department. They don't care, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're just mm-hmm. number. And yeah. the best saying that someone told me is, they'll never remember what's his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know what? That'll apply. The, yeah. Well, I, it really doesn't apply at the top. The top will be remembered for being the jerk. Correct. <laughs> right. Or the pro. For their own people. Mm-hmm. That's what they'll be remembered by. Mm-hmm. And they're in control of that. Yeah. But if we could, we could really remove the stigma of all of this if they would start to let officers come in and talk about what it's like, what they experienced. What did they do that worked? Did going to that licensed counselor give them some things that helped? Did talking to peer support help? Did coming to Under the Shield help? Give people the tools. Let yeah. them know how to, how to use them. But when yeah, you because they send just him left home? him out to hang. Like he would, it was so bad at times for him. The Amazon driver would come up to the door, and he would get the family upstairs, pull out his gun, and be like, "They're here to get us. They're here to get us. Everyone, get down. They're here to get us." And wow. just start freaking out. Wow. You think anyone in the department cared? No. Like no one, because no one checked on him. He had a couple of good friends. Sure. And that was it. 
and like no one checked on him whatsoever. Sure. And he just had to internally deal with that or go to his psychologist or whatever and try to talk, but that he never, I don't know if he was trying to like go the medical route to find the answer. Right. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, you leave people to their own devices, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're not always going to be played the victim healthy. a little bit. Like, I'm the victim. Whoa, sure. me. He, like, he couldn't get over it. Sure. Um, which, I don't know. I wasn't in his head. I can't speak for that, but I don't know. I don't think that you can sit there and like, there, there's something better for you out there. You know what I mean? Like, there's always a purpose for you to be here. Right. You just got to find it. And you know, if you're not getting that... I don't even know what I want to be when I grow up yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're barely out of diapers. Um, but, you know, if you don't have somebody there encouraging you and, right. and offering options, whether mm-hmm. the options work or not, at least giving you some things to look into and hope of something else. And again, at Under the Shield, you know, Adam is going to be a huge asset to us Absolutely. because of where he was right. and Absolutely. what he did. And... He's going to be able to look somebody in the face and go, yeah, hey, been there, done that. Uh, let's let's talk about what else you can do. Mm-hmm. It's like when Tom gets up and shares his story, even when he's emotional. He was emotional in front of Border Patrol a few months back. And I stopped the class and I said, anybody up here losing respect for this man because he's emotional talking about some things that are going on? And they were all like, no. And I said, then nobody's going to lose respect for you when you start to share your stories. It's going to have to come from within the profession, honestly and truthfully, and not people that spent six months on the job, get their Ph.D. and tell everybody they were a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know, I I probably got more time in a patrol car than that person has. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't get you uh, into this industry. And so that's why... Again, we're big on uh, people like yourself who have you have a different experience than Tom has had and Mark has had and other stress coaches, but it gives you a purpose that you can then take what went on in your career at the end, good, bad, or indifferent, and help somebody else, which in turn make makes it a good a good thing. Absolutely, and that's what has to happen here. And that's really kind of what we're all about at Under the Shield. You know, I said I hate using the word target, but <laughs> well, the best of... thing about Under the Shield is the anonymous. Like, uh-huh. if that's the right thing to say, but it is. I mean, not having because that's the biggest thing is I'm not going to go somewhere and talk and have the risk of something getting out to my administration and losing, risking my retirement right. or someone taking my badge and my gun over something stupid. I want to say sure, not stupid, but. Something I want to get off my chest, where I right. can actually go somewhere where I can trust, and they're not going to overreact. me out, yeah, wrap me it, out to my admin because exactly. I just have some feelings I just need to voice. Sure. So, and again, that's why we, as much as I hate the word, target mm-hmm. people close to retirement to get in here because you need a purpose afterwards. How many Absolutely. times have we heard it's the hardest thing? Hardest the, thing, like I said, finding a purpose. The ones that die right after yeah. are the people that truly did not have a plan, a second career, weren't you know, going into something else, that's the hard part. And so, you know, if you're out there and you've, whether you've experienced anything like what Ken has been through or any of our other stress coaches, doesn't mean there's not a place here at Under the Shield to be that ear for somebody. Absolutely. And like I was telling you, I said, you can do it from the beach of Belize. Yeah. That's, that's your thing. Uh, As long as you've got internet and a phone or a computer. And you feel a hundred times better just talking about something like you're like i don't know if i want to talk just talk it feels so good to just 
tell someone. It's kind of like knowing a secret and you're like, oh, I just got to tell somebody. Right. Like, and secrets are bad. Just get something off. Just get it off your chest. Yeah. And at least someone knows that you know is not going to go say something. But at least, you know, and if you need advice or need to know where to go from there, the help is here. You yeah. just have to get out there and be willing to do it. But I would say 100% just get out there and just do it. Sure. Don't, don't bottle anything in. Sure. Well, secrets are negativity. bad. Secrets are bad. And <laughs> whether they are or not, but when you put the sunlight on them, suddenly they aren't quite like you thought they were. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that's They're not as big as what they seem to be. Well, when especially when you got a room full going, "Oh yeah, been there. Thought mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. I know what that's like." You're right. Um, but there's a way out of that absolutely, and not just sitting there in it. And that's that's always the hard part for me, especially with people like Ben, because he knew about me. Yes. But we could not get, get him, him to reach out. And that's the part. I try to get him in here. I try to get him to groups. Nothing. Well, and sadly. Because he, in his head, he was okay. I'm doing better. And anytime he would be doing better, that was his excuse of not going anywhere. Sure. I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I'm sure. good. I'm good. But that's when you need to go is when things are good, right? Yes. You don't, yeah, yeah. We don't want to always be pulling you out of the ditch. Yeah. But And he was part of a group. He was. But it's a group For, of victims. In the beginning, correct. Yeah, that don't really want to be better, and that's not helpful. We don't, we don't do victims at Under the Shield. Nope. If you want to be a victim, then you're going to have to go pay somebody because we believe everybody can be better than they are today absolutely even tom is striving for that <laughs> we keep I'm not working him. yet but man we keep telling him you yeah. can do it you can do it tom we know you can <laughs> you may not have memory of that motorcycle axe that you had <laughs> but that's okay <laughs> but you know and it's people like you coming in here and willing to put this out there for everybody mm-hmm. to listen to and say there's life beyond this career there is but you got to find it and keep trying. And we're looking forward to having you here at Under the Shield as looking one of the stress coaches. And you can be a stress coach and a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nailed it. Lord, something tells me his wife's going to be calling me. She's going to need a stress coach. And, and I'll tell her I'll do everything I can to keep you out of the house. <laughs> we'll send you on some adventures with Tom or something. <laughs> well, I'll fly anywhere with him. You, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a very good track record lately. And, uh, yeah, I, I seem to get stuck in here. I, I have no desire to get on a plane. I, I just didn't go by horse and buggy. I think I'd get there faster. I'm going to I'm gonna try to – well, I'm going to have to stay put for the most part. So uh, I'm good with that. You guys can go fly to Fargo, North Dakota, and <laughs> the fun places in February or something. I'm, happy, I'm perfectly content staying right here in Arizona. Uh, but we do. We appreciate you coming Thank in you. and, and for having up. me. Absolutely, because I think the more people that come in and tell their story and and officers hear it, and you know, you're not some wimp sissy that was trying to get out of this industry. You were somebody who got hurt doing the job and doing mm-hmm. it the right way, and still wanted to do it. Absolutely. And unfortunately, the medical world hasn't caught up with the abilities yet. Yeah. But I think it is a matter of time. And who knows, you may wind up with one of those blades. (laughs) That'd be awesome. (laughs) Well, Tom, you got anything else you want to throw in here? We impart a lot of our wisdom on uh, our uh, people here. Um, About 2023, you got any uh, 
What are they? Resolu- New Year's resolutions no. that you're not going to keep anyway? I was going to say, I don't make them because I won't keep them. Right. So I'm just hoping that we get some good training classes that we get to present to this year. Yes, we're looking forward yeah. to that. We've got some really good opportunities that are coming, and we will certainly put them out there when we can. Some of them, of course, are just within a certain agency and those we can't put out there but we will be doing another stress coach certification my goal initially was january obviously that's not going to happen i'm hoping by march uh, we need to try to get one going and make sure that well we got to do it before summer because we won't get anybody to come in yeah no one's going to come to except the people locally (laughs) and uh, i know there's some people from around the country that do want to do want to come participate in it also and and it isn't just about being in arizona we've got stress coaches now all over the country too in canada and uh we'd love for you to reach out to us you can always email us and we'll make sure joelle i haven't even looked has does our producer put emails in there for them to uh reach out to us via email i don't know well, you're I'm not supposed sure. to be look, I don't ever. I'm, not, I'm just a temporary today. I'm a fill-in. Oh, that's, yeah, Tom's producing and co-hosting today. It's a stretch to have him do two things at once. Uh, yeah, Joel, our producer, had something else come up today. But uh, he'll be back with us on our next podcast. And uh, please reach out to us. But we are praying for all of our first responders, military, and families as we start this new year that 2023 is going to be a better year. We've got to start to impact the suicide rates especially. That's that's the one that's so heartbreaking because these are good people. It's not about mental illness. <clears throat> we we know this. We deal with it too often. And uh, you got to reach out to us. This is why we do it anonymously. We have no notes, no records. We have no obligation to report, nor do we. And our toll-free number is 855 855- 889-2348. If you hit extension one, we aren't even going to have your phone number. Understand, though, let it ring. Someone will answer. It may be rolling from one stress coach to another, but you're not going to get voicemail, and we can't call you back because we don't have your number. That's right. If you hit extension two, you'll get me. I think extension three is David Cohen in Alabama. He's military fire. He was a fire marshal, so gun toter. His wife was a dispatcher and a police officer. Um, And then extension four is Tom. Uh, My cell number, if you want to reach out directly to me, is 334-324-3570. My cell phone number is 480-861-6574. And if you go on the on the app and you look in the podcast descriptions, if you read down through everything, uh, Susan's phone number and email is there. And so is my phone number and email. So Joelle does put that out there. Good. And, you know, send us suggestions. If you want to be on the podcast, we'd love to have you. We can do it via Zoom if you're not in the Arizona, especially in the Phoenix Valley area. Uh, We'd love to hear your story and share that. We'd love to get some more spouses on here. Because I think that's something else right. that we need to people we need to hear from, and uh, again we can make it as anonymous as you want it. You don't have to give us your name if you're still working. You know, Ken sitting here retired, going, <laughs> "What are y'all going to do to me now?" <laughs> that's such a great feeling. It really is. <laughs> and uh, we're just again we are um, grateful to all of you. We appreciate the sacrifices that all of our first responders, military make, but especially the ones the families make. That's kind of a thankless job. Mm -hmm. And uh, so reach out to his families. That includes you. 
and we're here to help. There's nothing we don't handle. We do not refer out. Uh, one warning, and again, it's not about that these groups are, are not good. They are uh, national suicide hotlines, uh, some of these others that are out there. You do have to understand you may be running the risk of a welfare check being done by the police department because right. those hotlines do have your information when you call them. Um, but please reach out to somebody, a chaplain, us, whoever, reach out because this is a temporary feeling and things that we can help you with. So, again, Ken, thank you very much thank for being for with us. Me. And we look forward to having you on board here Absolutely. soon. And, uh, Tom, anything you want to add? Looking forward to a good year. Yeah, we're going to have some. Yeah, we've got some some good guests that I know we're going to be lining up to come in here. And uh, we're going to get Dr. Brady Wilson back in here. <laughs> he told me the other day that uh, we, the under the shield, myself and Dr. Wilson are being referred to as the dream team here by one of the legal counsel that represents a lot of the associations out here. <laughs> We'll take it. <laughs> so you, too, can be a part of our dream team. But reach out to us. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Take care and come back and see us next time.